You are listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. Afternoon, everyone. What a great time this is. It's a Sunday, and <laughs> we don't have to go to work tomorrow. <laughs> we were remarking. I was Isn't remarking on the way in about how good the traffic was. There's no yeah. one on the roads because everyone is either... Out of town. Out of town or hunting for chocolate or both. In bed. In bed. Yeah. It's good. Under the doona, eating chocolate. So even if you're just a lazy atheist like me, you can, you can enjoy Easter. <laughs> I went to a pub. Yes. Called... <laughs> The Lazy Atheist. Oh, really? No, I don't no, know. It just struck me as a great name for a pub. <laughs> the la- I'll see you at the Lazy Atheist. Yeah. Or the LA. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's um, it's Easter Sunday. Um, the most important times in the Christian calendar. It could yes. Be said. This is true. Uh, for, for some, um, a strange dichotomy of a day. Mm. How so? Well, it's sort of weird in that... Um, as families, we we keep people together. We bring them into the bosom of the mm. family and we eat and we celebrate mm. whatever it is that you celebrate for yes. we, Anyway, you know, yeah, yeah. glossing over it. Mm. But the dichotomy is this, mm. Matt, and I say this to you, is that even though we are bringing the family in close together, mm. this is the first time that you send your children out into the world. Really? Yeah, because you think about what the the notion of an Easter egg hunt is, is that you the symbology of uh, an Easter yeah. egg hunt is... Go and... Go good and luck. Provide for yourselves. Well, yeah, and yeah. also strike it rich. It's it's that whole capitalist mantra of go out into the world, strike it rich, bring yes. back your booty. I'm not sure if you're supposed to share it with others. But anyway, it's just something to ponder as yeah. we... Uh, as I bring to you, I have a hey. bunny. Um, I present, Matt, with... Uh, there is a... There you go. Bunny about 15 centimetres high. It's silver. It's silver and purple from the most prominent chocolate manufacturer in the company, in the country, I should say. Yeah, it's a pretty shitty one. It's not yeah. good. <laughs> 80 grams. You know, I saw um, yeah. on Facebook, I saw Darren Purchase. Hello, if you're listening, Darren and or Kath. Yeah. There is what are they doing? And it's like, geez, you wouldn't well, want well, to set the bar fairly high, just well, yeah, giving an Easter egg to probably one of the best chocolatiers in the world. Oh, yeah, imagine if you gave a red chocolate to one of them. Yeah, I don't think this would cut it. <laughs> and I, 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 I like it. I'm happy with it. Thank you, Cameron, for my Easter bunny. Well, actually, it's re-gifted. Uh, oh, really? My housemate, Elaine. Hello, Elaine. Thank you for the Easter. I've just given it to Matt. Yeah. And um, it's a beauty. Don't diss it, because no, Elaine no, no. will get really... <laughs> Very happy with him. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it is. Here we are, 12.05 here on 3 RRFM. Uh, it is Easter Sunday, a time of uh, bringing the family in, of mm-hmm. travel, of a little bit of rest from the hectic rat race that is the world. Yes. And um, you've chosen to spend your time with us. We're mm. kind of just chuffed about that. Mm. Oh, nice. Yeah. You're on the road? Yeah, the road. What's the the roads are great, aren't they? <laughs> no if you're on the road, you go wow, fantastic. Should do this more often. It's the best running I've had in years. Look at that. Um, yeah, and uh, today's show. Oh no, first of all, looking back uh, oh. very briefly as we do, we do a bit of uh, OMGing. Yes, go and take it, man. Just the thank you again to the scientists. Wow, just had some very heavyweight guests on the last few weeks. Yeah, Dr. David Suzuki a few weeks ago. Yeah, some bloke who walked on the moon. Yeah. We don't have anyone who walked on the moon. No, but we have someone who will be walking in the uh, in the footsteps of giants in Flinders Lane. Yes, Florence Geraldine, um, who is about to take over you. You, 
Um, if you haven't met Flo before, he's great. He's uh, he's a Frenchman. Yes. From Brittany. So we're going to have a bit of a chat to him about what, what was Easter like for you growing up as a kid in France? Yes. And um, he's worked with, um, well, the, the megastars, some megastars of, uh, of cooking, uh, the words. Some bloke called Robichon. Uh, Robichon, huh? Robichon, Ducasse, uh, Bennett. And there's, yes. there's one that I've missed because yes. I, he said to me quite cryptically, what's, what, Cameron? <laughs> Is it four or three? And yeah. I went, oh, I'm not sure. Um, but he'll, he'll tell us who the, the fourth um, big name was that he worked and what he got from them, I suppose. You yes. know, how, how he was inspired by working. And he's what, two or three weeks away from opening a new place. We well, we're gonna, we might have a date, uh, of a new place, which yes. is in the old UU in Flinders Lane. Yes. Which, funnily enough, you know, when you think about it, Flinders Lane used to be where we was our garment disti- district. Mm. It's where we produced clothing. Mm-hmm. And that all changed. And now it is where some of the, the best and most innovative restaurants have it's, sort of come in. So that's where we produce Cues for uh, booking free restaurants. Yes. Places. Yes. That's, that's what we produce there now. Well, there's that, there's one one yeah. notable sort of thing yeah. with Chin Chin, isn't there? When yeah. You, when you, yeah. I'm doing the little yeah. slightly. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, but um, Flo's going to take over one of my favourite spots in mm. Flinders Lane, a place called UU, which was the the, the hidden restaurant, if mm. you like. It really, really Behind was. the red door, yes. Anyway, we'll, we'll find out more about that. So mm. he's on the show. And then um, someone who's turned his back on the rat race of uh, Sydney in restaurant reviewing. Yes. His name being? Matthew Evans. Thank you, Matty. He of, Another uh, Matt. Oh. Yes, plenty of us around. So he, you would have possibly seen him on his SBS television program. He's got a company down there called uh, Fat Pig Farms. Yes. And produces a lot of his own food. And he has, and he's, um, he's, got another, he's done another book. Mm. He's done another book. And it's uh, a mighty Mighty little tome. It's the little book that could, man. It's just not little. I think you're doing a disservice. That's just a normal size cookbook. It's it's, it's, it's a little got, bit smaller. It's got heft. It's smaller than an A4 page. This is I'm true. holding up an A4 page. This which is, is true. bigger? Yeah, no. You're the sheet right. of paper or the book? No. So it's smaller than A4. QED. Uh, would you? Okay, a medium size book. Let's go with that. Okay, it's called Not Just Jam. It's uh, pretty topical for this time of year because this is the autumn bounty as we move into the cooler part of the year. Yes. It's all about preserving. Preserving jams, preserves, jellies, chutneys, curds and butters, cordials, squashes, syrups, dried and candied pastes. There's a lot. There's a lot of work here. Sounds like a lot of work. Oh, my God. But the bounty you can reap from this. Yes. There's things like gentleman's marmalade. I really like this. This is is orange marmalade with a good... Dash of scotch in it. Oh my god! I like that on that my toast in the morning. Good, totally. But there's all sorts of things. Um, yes. Green tomato jam, uh, medlars. <laughs> tax the medlars, which um, anatomically, um, uh, no, nah, I'm not even going to go there. Uh, medlars are very strange things that yes. need to be. F- oh, just weird. But all sorts of other things that aren't so strange, like you know, great raspberry jam, strawberry yes. jams, passion yes. fruit curds. It's a lost art, which um, I think, as Matt said quite prescriptively, everybody should be able to do this. Yes. It was sort of more of a commanding tone that, you know, he was going to inspect the houses. Do this. Yeah, that's right. Or the, if you do it, there won't be trouble. That's, see, that's the heft of the book. It just rattled the microphones when you put it down. Oh, you're right. No, okay, for a medium-weight book, this it's thing's got, got, this thing's go. got weight. Hey, Gravitas. You, you had a couple of little, little little snippets of information you wanted to give out. I did. So I thought we'd do this. Oh, really? What are we going to do? We haven't done oh this my in God. about a decade. 
Is there still a, there's a bugle that comes in, isn't there? You've got to wait for the bugle. Right, okay. Wait for it, folks. loud. Yeah. There he is. There he is. You're still alive, mate. <laughs> we left you. Yeah, he's been unemployed for the longest time. That's 17 years I think he's been unemployed <laughs> for. Mate, are you okay? <laughs> you, need, you, maybe, you need some soup. He's gone. Oh, he's gone? Yeah. Oh, he's... Probably pretty shitty. We used to do a segment called Snippets. Yes, tell us, tell us about uh, that. That's where, where Flip Shelton was on the show. Yes, hello, Flippy. Hello, Flip, if you're listening. Happy Easter. Good on you. Um, and that's basically <laughs> the thing, and then now you, you read the Snippets. That's how the seven oh, goes. Oh, yeah, oh, no, that's <laughs> so, right. Okay, sorry. Yes, that's right. Ladies and gentlemen, Snippets uh, here on 3 R. Thank you very much for that for that uh, lovely thing. Um, on this day, first I've got mm. a few on this days. Yes. Because uh, there was some things happened on this day. Uh, 1915. Mm. Mary Mallon. Have you ever heard of her? I have not. Yeah, you might have heard of you. Have you heard of Typhoid Mary? Oh, no, I haven't. Typhoid Mary. No. Oh, what a character she was. She was arrested on this day and quarantined at Riverside Hospital on North Border Island in New York City. Yep. Until her death in 1938. So she was in prison from 1915 to 1938. Why? What was her crime, you might ask? What was her crime? Well, she had previously been arrested yeah. and quarantined several times. See, she had a bit of a problem. Mm. Mary was immune to typhoid herself, mm. but carried the disease. Carried the disease, uh. and you know what um, was the real problem? As if that wasn't bad enough. If that wasn't bad, you know what her profession was. You what? know how she loved to make a crust. <laughs> she was a cook. Yes. So the promise, the pro- that the, is a bit of cosmic bad luck, right? It then. was. She was a carrier of the bacillus and spread it wherever she worked as a cook. Right. I mean, wouldn't you put that on your reference, you know? I'm not sure Work you experience, <laughs> typhoid carrier. So she had to live, live in quarantine, the poor thing. Yeah, but the problem was she kept returning to her occupation as a cook, even though repeatedly promising not to do so, and was responsible for major outbreaks of typhoid in New York in 1904, 1907, and who can forget that typhoid epidemic of 1914? Um, so, yes, typhoid, Mary, put away yes. uh, for the safety of the population. One person's incarceration is for the greater good. We could suddenly We've go heard very that politically. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to step away from that. Have you heard that one before? Yeah. Um, also, 1933, uh, in a nod to our French friend who's in the green room. Yeah, he's floating around. In the green room. Um, uh, Michel Gerard was born, French master chef, inventor of cuisine minceur, literally meaning slimming cuisine, mm-hmm. and one of the founders of Nouvelle Cuisine, which um, a lot of people probably would not have ever tasted, don't know. It was really huge plates mm-hmm. with really small portions on it, mm-hmm. artfully arranged, yes. and the use of arrowroot as a starch, right. as a thickening agent for yes. the sauces and things like that, that used to skin very, very quickly. And I remember I've worked in a Nouvelle place and you used to have to race <laughs> food out because otherwise the skin would form. Yeah, you don't want There's that. a lot of... You know, beautiful things, but a lot of screamy chefs. Yes. Get the food out the table! Go, go, go. Yeah, there was a lot of that going on. Um, and in 1993, Hot yep. Chocolate's greatest hits album is number one on the UK charts. 1993. 1993. That's later than I would have expected for a 70s band. 70s band? Yeah. Okay. I think I think of them sort of disco, right? Mm. But obviously the greatest hits album. Maybe there was a brief disco revival in 93 that I missed. Might have been, but it hit number one, and I was actually listening to Hot Chocolate last night at a friend's place. Yes. Thank you for a very, very lovely dinner last night, by the way. 
and uh, we had a bit of vinyl, a bit of hot chocolate vinyl was happening, and it was and it was good. Right. Actually, there was a couple of songs. Oh, this one's a bit of a stinker, but you know, just <laughs> that's a good thing with the vinyl, though. You can just pick the needle up hey, and skip it. Right. So it's tactile. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there we go. Next song. Oh, it was um, it was pretty good. Now um, I have a question for you. Mm. Um, Scotch whiskey. Yes. Are we for it or against it? No, we're for it. I, I must. Be, I, I tend to. I don't know why. I, I avoid the Scotch. I would usually go either an Australian whiskey or a Japanese whiskey. Mm. Mm. But Scotch is, of course, some of the leading whiskey in the world. All right. Well, um, wow. Um, who would you think is one of the highest per capita uh, imbibers of said product? Well, you'd think the Scots. Aye. <laughs> uh, no, it's actually the French. Oh, really? Because actually France is planning to usurp Scotland's reputation as the home of the world's best whiskey. Well, I thought <laughs> just, just came running he's just, in. He's just making threatening gestures by the window. Really? Yeah. You mentioned France. I did, France. Yeah. France. Yeah. Um, and, um, but according to a study by retail consultants, uh, some consultants, yeah. uh, the French drink more whiskey than any other country. Right. On average, 2.15 litres a year compared to 1.8 litres in second placed. Uruguay. Really? Yeah, there you go. I did one. not know. Um, That's a lot of whiskey. And apparently the US is the third on 1.4 litres. So That would include bourbon and those sorts of things, though, would it not? Like a Kentucky-style whiskey. So the Americans no. are... No, it doesn't? Whiskey. No? Drink more okay. whiskey. This right. is all about the whiskey. Mm. Uh, the French Federation of Spirits has also found that whiskey accounts for nearly 40% of the spirits market in France compared to just 25% for pastis. And this mm. is the one, you know, you mm. think they just drink heaps of this, just 0.5% for cognac. Oh, really? Their own mighty. Maybe they're, all, they're selling it all to the Chinese and the Japanese. Yeah, possibly. Who knows? Mm. Anyway, so just that was um, a little bit um, of an odd sort of thing. And, um, again, this is just a little bit of just to discombobulate you a little bit on yes. your um, egg-eating odyssey. Yes. Um, who you'd think, what's the most uh, popular wine on the planet? What What nationality? I, I guess you just assume French. Bang! There you go again. Yeah, I've got you, you, just, you again, <laughs> Spanish wine is the most popular on the planet. Right. Despite fetching less than a third of the price of French vintages. Spain exported a record 2.4 billion litres really? of Rioja. Really? I can't even... I can just... Can you... You've got a better mind than me mm. sometimes, mm. most of the time. Can you envision that? 2.4 billion litres. 2.4 billion litres. That's a lot of Rioja. That's a lot of Rioja. Uh, Spanish wine is the most popular on the planet according to the latest international export figures, but few of the country's vineyard owners will raise a glass to that news. Why is that? Well, I'm glad you asked me that. On average, their vintages fetch less than a third of the price of those sold abroad by France. So we've got all these depressed... Vineyard owners so it, it drinking. Just, it just sounds like bulk wine there. They're just making bulk wine, right? Maybe. Yeah. Maybe it's the yellow tail of... It could of, be. So, so the real cel- the folks who are celebrating would be the folks producing the bottles, not what goes into it. Yeah. Because you've got to sell a lot. It doesn't matter yeah. how good or bad the wine is, you need the vessel, right? And still the people at Chateau Latour and Rothschild are going, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> real, huh? Do you know how much we get a bottle of this stuff? Gold. Uh, twelve seventeen here. It's Easter. Mm-hmm. Um, we're having a bit of a chilled out show here. I'm delighted to say that Matt's here. Yes, he's playing you some music. Yes, there's an existential 
aspect to this song. Mm. It has one of the best opening lines I've heard in a song. We've talked about this before, haven't we? Yes. Yeah, we have. Um, should we just let it happen? Let's do it. Can I just leave it? Let's just do leave it, it Matt. Yeah. All right, we're going now. Okay. Enjoy the music. Groovy. Got my groove on with the mushrooms. Go, Cammy. Yes. Uh, looking for a bit more rain. You know what? A few years ago, a high-powered food reviewer turned his back on the uh, on the on the shallow city that he had been. Uh, no, that's not fair. Um, one of the most important food reviewers uh, in Sydney decided to uh, have a little bit of a tree change and move down to the Apple Isle, or what was known as the Apple Isle, and uh, has prospered. And done very well and has become a, a very, very important voice in self-sufficiency and growing food and, uh, well, being the gourmet farmer. We're talking, of course, about Matt Evans, um, proprietor of Fat Pig Farm and author, and he's got another book. And you know what? It's a effing beauty. Matt, happy Easter. And hello. Happy Easter, Cam. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure, mate. It's been a while since we've... We did speak last year, didn't we, I think? Oh, it might have been a couple of years ago now, yeah. But uh, we, you know, every, you know I, I love uh, dipping in every now and then. Oh, yeah, you might have done it, but I don't a phone up. Yeah, yeah we did. We did a f- I think we did. Well, um, first of all, happy Easter to you. Has um, autumn... You're in the Huon Valley, are you not? <laughs> yeah, I'm in the Huon Valley, an awesome... Oh, phew, awesome thing came about three days ago. Did it? Um, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's... Um, we, we were shocked at how, how, how long we were wearing shorts for this summer. Yeah. Um, you know, when the when the average maximum is twenty degrees in in December, you know, you don't get your shorts out for um, that much of the year. So it's quite uh, so suddenly so a shock to be um, back in uh, the mole skins. Ah, oh, you got the moles on, and what about uh, the extra blanket on the bed? <laughs> Not yet. Not yet. I, I actually I actually live in a, um, a house that's, that's very well insulated and double glazed and um, far too thermally efficient. So um, yeah, wow. I I've only only lit the fire once this year, and uh, that was probably just to cook a uh, cook a roast, really. Wow, really? Okay, that's um, well, that, that sounds like a, a good idea. Now, um, with this time of year, of course, we traditionally we sort of look at the great abundance, and uh, and for a lot of people, especially living in the northern hemisphere, uh, the techniques that you espouse and um, sort of elucidate so beautifully in this book were necessary for survival. But um, that's changed. I'm just talking about preserving in general. Why do we preserve? Yeah, yeah look, I think that, that, that's one of the, the big questions that I've sort of tried to answer myself over the years. What, why these days you've got fridges, you've got freezers, you've got... You yeah, we've, know, got, we've um, got big food stop. companies that looked after <laughs> our nutrition, Matt. Why, why should yeah, we even yeah, worry? Yeah, yeah. Well, look, I... I, I Part of it is um, that I think it's really good to make things at least once so then you actually know how they're made and what, get, what should go into them. So then if you've made your own pasta sauce, yeah. um, you know it only needs three ingredients, but if you look on the side of a simmer sauce, you might see 23 ingredients and wonder what the other 20 are for. So it gives mm. you an understanding, I guess, of, of how food can be made or should be made. Um, but I think particularly this sort of thing like pickling and preserving, um, making jams, what what it's about is um, it's just it's just saying what I can make what I can do mm. is different to everybody else. It, it preserves what I grow, what grows, what's hanging over my neighbour's fence. Because I've got to be honest, there's a lot of people around who know where to find the free fruit. Yeah, um, legally yours season. if it's over the fence. We know that, That's don't right. we? Yeah. yeah. 
and and one tree can produce a lot of um, a lot of fruit. Um, and so, even, and one, you know, let's face it, one cucumber plant can produce too many cucumbers for one human. So, yes. if, if there's a way, if there's a way to, to preserve that, um, I think it's it's a good thing to do. And the good thing about what we do now is we don't have to use as much salt or as much vinegar or as much um, sugar necessarily as when we had to preserve it that way. Oh, we can really? adapt the flavors and adapt the the techniques because we're not reliant on it. If if your jam goes mouldy on top and you have to scoop out a little bit, you know, you can, uh, worst case scenario, go to someone else and buy some jam. So, we, so it's not you know, life-threatening? You're, you're not going to... It's not life No, no you're not going to die no if jam. you run out. Yeah. But, you, but what you can do is enhance pretty much... This is what was really interesting to me, because a lot of this is new to me the last few years. But you can enhance pretty much every meal that you eat. So you can be having mm, a yeah. roast chicken and have made your own garlic chilli sauce to go with that mm. and make it taste better. Or you could be having a you know a cold lamb sandwich you know, and have some lemon um, chutney with that. Um, you can be, have made your own mustard to have on a, um, you know, on a toasted cheese sandwich. And, and everything that you're doing is making something taste better. You know, if you made a little apple syrup for your pancakes, um, it, it's improving every meal. And what we like is that you, you, you put in a bit of effort on one hour or one day to make um, put these things in your pantry, mm. and then for the next year you're pulling them out, going, "Oh my god, I've got my own whiskey sauce." There's I've got my still own. some left. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's... <laughs> yeah, because they go a long way. You know, generally, yeah. you, you know, you don't make a jar of jam; you make a kilo of fruit into jam, which ends up as so, sort of ten jars. Maddie, you've sort of inferred that this is sort of this is a new area for you. Um, like, I don't know. Did you did you ever? Make any jams before as a as a kid, or was oh, that part of yeah, your yeah. or sauce? What what did you make? What were your faves? Oh, look, when I was a kid, we we, we made a bit of marmalade, and um, oh, yeah. I, I, we used to have decent apricot trees, and we'd make apricot jam, which is which oh. now I know is one of the easier ones to make, but it's also one of the best. Isn't it awesome? I love apricot. Homemade jam. apricot jam is just unlike bought apricot jam. It's Agreed. just such a revelation, mm. and um, but I guess what I had to learn. And what I've been learning over over the years, last few years, is um, more about how to do things. Like I really love a dill pickle, so you know, like people would give me dill pickers, and I'd love some of them and not not other ones. So it's about taking something I wanted to eat and saying, well, how how can I make that in the way that I really like? And, and especially, can I can I just yeah. cr- just especially with those dill pickles? There's a certain bespoke. Uh, hipster style sort of pickle that comes, I think, with a Brooklyn accent. Um, anyway, it's a, but the $12 jar of pickles, and you just have to look at that and go, that is just insane. <laughs> it's a pickle in a brine, much, for God's sake. We all know much, how much the cucumber costs. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's, it, it is a, it's a strange thing that these things can cost. Um, can, can be so expensive. And look, I guess that's people saying, I want to eat something really delicious yeah. and I couldn't be bothered making it myself. Oh, well, that's it, um, yeah. But, but for all those who want to make it yourself, I mean, let's face it, it's really, it's easier than um, than a lot of uh, things, you know, dinners that you would cook. Making some dill pickles is, is way easier. Yeah, it um, is, than, isn't it? Than, and than if, I can, party. if I can paraphrase, this book, which is called Not Just Jam, um, is um, about a small investment in time that is going to repay you markedly over a much greater period of time. That's true, yeah, isn't it? And that, yeah, and that's what... I mean, doing this book, when we, we photographed the book, 
last year. Who did the photos? Oh, Alan Benson, who's a, a, a former chef, who's a food, food photographer friend, who's done all my books, and he, yeah, we, we just we just stayed in and, and made stuff for a few days. <laughs> yeah, and I, and I came out of the experience. Oh, that's so rewarding! What a beautiful thing to do to have the excuse to stay in and cook. Mm. But even better, I walked away, and I am still eating the, you know, the bounty of <laughs> of that because yeah. you had to make it for the shoot, and here I am still eating it. Um, you know, 12 months later nearly. So it's, it's, it is one of those things and it is one of those joys that when you discover, oh my God, I forgot about that, that, um, bottle of you know, barbecue sauce that I made. Yeah. And it's a lot of these things get better. So the more you can forget about your pickled onions the better or your get. Worcestershire, the better it'll get. So it's, it is one of those, um, those joys to discover in the back of the pantry when it gets pushed behind a, you know, a big bag of rice or something. All right. And through. <clears throat> Anything that uh, brings great joy that, you know, you've got to have a few rules, you know? <laughs> you've got to sort of just hold up the finger, hey, hang about, no, no, you've, let's do this properly. What are the basic rules of thumb for for this undertaking? Yeah, so there's ways to stop things going off. That's and, a good idea. Um, like that. Yeah, so that, that's the whole point, is to, to, pre- to yeah, preserve things. So, so you can add sugar, yep. you can add salt. Yep. You can add vinegar, yeah. and you can heat heat things. So if you do one of those things or a combination of those things, you've got yourself then you covered. Can, you can get cover yourself. So I do actually have a, a bunch of rules, and particularly with jam, which seems so simple. You just to make jam, you boil fruit and sugar. But it's really, really easy. Yeah. Yep. But to get the perfect jam, it's kind of like the perfect sourdough. It's all yeah, you know, which is just flour and water and a bit of salt. Mm. You know, to get the perfect sourdough is. Is, you can spend your life doing it, or you can just have a crack and yeah. give it a go and enjoy the life, you know, what you do once. But yes. jam is one of those things, you, to get it to retain its colour, to have the um, flavour and to have it, you know, the right texture, which is the hardest thing, um, is, a, is a beautiful thing to pursue. And the thing is, it, it is a, a pursuit because your jam this year will, will cook differently from next year because of the season, because of the fruit, because, because of the, the water content, content, for the yeah, yeah the ripeness of the fruit and How all that kind of stuff. pectins around. Yeah, yeah, and 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 it depends a lot on your pan. I mean, they they sell these things called jam pans, which are surprising. You'll be amazed to learn this, Cam. Yeah, jam pans are brilliant at making jam. They're so much better than a saucepan. What is a and, jam pan? I mean, yeah, exactly. What is, what is this is jam, jam pan? What is this jam pan you speak of, Matt? Yeah, so they've got a really um, big base. So it's got a they big ass. Slope, sloping sides. Mm. Yes. And um, and they're quite low sides. And what that does is allows lots of heat to get to the base yes. and lots of evaporation. So very quickly you're evaporating moisture off and very quickly you're heating the fruit. And those two things help to keep the quality in the jam. And, and look, I've made jams in saucepans and pots and all sorts of shapes, shaped things. Hmm. But when I discovered the jam pan, and in particular a copper one, which is, you know, you have to do it, you do have to sell your firstborn to, to buy one of these things. But then you've got it. And, and then you've got, but you've got it for life. Yeah. They, surprisingly, you know, because people have only spent hundreds of years perfecting them and <laughs> inventing them and designing them, yes. actually make better jam. So, so there, are, there are things you can do to make, to make it easier for yourself. Yeah. But um, yeah, you, but but um, you, you can actually do it with your, with your average saucepan, and your product will be you know can be can be really good. But there are things that can make it easier. 
But just to get back again, so what we want is something with a thick bottom. I made just a bad joke, an anatomical sort of joke. Thick <laughs> bottom, um, copper uh, would be yeah, the, wide bottom, yeah. is the best. And, uh, yeah, as you say, evaporation. The other thing that was one of the major uh, rules that um, stood out for me was you said do not be tempted to double any of these recipes. Yeah, yeah, and you know I wrote that, Cam, and you know what I did the other day? I made jam and doubled the recipe. And I, I've, I've written it. In the book it says we never double recipes. We this always is, do the same recipe in, mul- in multiple So this is the tears pots. of Matthew's bitter experience that this and was I written in. I ignored it because I was in a, in a hurry. And yeah. I got mostly delicious but slightly um, less than uh, uh, brilliant red uh, strawberry jam. And I'm, I'm blaming the pims that I put in there. Right. Um, because um, that's a bit of, you know, that takes a little bit of the colour off, you know, the, yeah. the sheen off the colour. Yes, it would. Um, but actually, you know, it took an extra five minutes to cook, and that's because I, <gasps> I simply did twice as much in the, in the pot. So, look, it's really tempting to double it. You can halve the recipe because you're actually better off cooking these if in, a, in a frying pan than you are in a, in a saucepan because you need shallow, so, uh, really shallow, lots of room for evaporation, lots of heat coming out the, in, into the base. Okay. Um, and I ignored my own uh, advice. And you need a fairly and, uh, good, and I'd say that you'd, underneath that, you need a fairly good heat source too, like a pretty a good, a really size, good. good size stove ring yeah. at the best. Yeah, anyone who's got a decent, um, you know, most people have a, a wok burner size flame these days. So they're good flame. Um, because what it is, what happens when you heat the fruit, the longer you heat the fruit, the more it can lose a little bit of its colour and a little bit of its fragrance. Gotcha. So what happens is if you double the recipe, what you're doing is you're increasing the cooking time. So it takes longer to get the temperature. It doesn't evaporate quite as much because of the shape of the pan. And um, so it, it, it's, it's it, like, um, like anything. You cook it longer. Like to cook cabbage for, you know, the longer you cook it, the more it changes colour. Yeah, and finally and, you um, get sulphur from cabbage. That's the great bonus. Yeah. Hey, wow, it's <laughs> releasing sulphur. So the, the longer you cook it, the, the, the dumber it gets, really. Well, yeah, it just loses yeah. some of its quality, and, and it's like a lot of this stuff. The, the quicker you can um, get it up to temperature, get it to the right setting point, so we call it, talk about the set for a jam, which is the, the, you know, when it's going to spread on toast and not just run off the side of your toast. Yep. The quicker it gets to that point, um, the more you're retaining the, the fresh fruit character. Okay. And it doesn't matter if it takes a long time to get to that point. It just means that you, you know, your jam's not, probably not going to be quite as... Um, as vibrant, and um, you know, double great fruit. You'll probably have a great jam anyway. Yeah. The other thing that you know, okay. So we look at this book it's from Murdoch Books, not that Murdoch, just so people know. Um, and the thing is that it's got your name on the front of it, Matthew Evans. And yet, the thing that comes across with this book and a lot of cookbooks is that behind you is just an incredible amount of uh, contributors and helpers and uh, people sort of setting you straight it's it looks like it's been a just a sensational collaboration with people in your area sharing some pretty good secrets to you yeah so so this book because i'm not the best jam maker or um i i wanted to go to someone who makes brilliant jam so we have a, a the lady who actually styles all the uh, has been my food stylist on the last three books, I think, and um, she makes brilliant jam. She's and I, the jam I, whisperer. Yeah, she was like, yeah, she she does incredible jam, yeah. and um, so I went to her, and she actually co co wrote the book. So a lot of the 
jam recipes are hers. But I guess a lot of the, what she gave me was also the wisdom. And, and what I've tried to do is harness her wisdom, but also, you know, every grandma and every, you know, every person I meet who's a good preserver mm. and, and take their wisdom and put it into the book. And really, like, like a lot of, well, pretty much all my books, they're, they're um, paying homage to the people who came before, for the generations who, you know, for the Delhi book, it was people who, who learned how to cure bacon and smoke ham. You know, for this book, it's the people who, who, who've um, gardened and then said, well, my God, my garden's given me too much. How do I pickle that or preserve that? Or, you know, so it, it's always we're, what we're trying to do is take, pay homage to the people who came before and say, look, th- th- there's so much good knowledge out there. You know, the nursing home near me probably has more you know, great knowledge on how to pickle <laughs> and preserve than, yeah. than not just jam. The difference is, you know, not everyone can just rock in and and, <laughs> and pick the brains of the people who who live there. Um, so uh, I guess what we're trying to do is, is you know, say, look, here's all this wisdom, here's all this knowledge in a readily accessible form that you can carry around in your um, kit uh, bag, having your kit. In. Yeah. Well, um, congratulations. This is the book, best book of preserving I think I've seen. To be honest with you, the fact uh, it's a it's a picture to each page. So every time you see a recipe, you just about everyone you'll see. Um, a picture of it, a real beautiful picture. It goes from uh, jams to preserves to jellies to chutneys to curds. But it's look, there's a lifetime of preservation here, and uh, and making your life just a little bit better when you go to the pantry. Matthew, congratulations on this book. How much is it? Oh, good question. So I think it's about fifty bucks, forty or fifty bucks. Yeah, something like that. Oh, I think it's thirty-five. Yeah, where's the? Uh, Mine says two on the back. I'll have it by the end of the show. Where's <laughs> the, oh, I had it here. I've lost the the front bit of the book, but um, it's going to be published uh, on April Fool's Day. Yeah, yeah, no joke. So Why not? No joke. Really... Hey, hey, funny. Hey, yeah, I had to. Yeah, well, why um, not? But I, but I really do, uh, Matt. I really do want to commend you on a really beautiful piece of work, and uh, I think this should be. Well, if you're into cooking at all, this this should be in your in your library. So congratulations on that. Thank you for talking to us on Easter Sunday. You can go back to eat chocolate. Yeah, we're Chum- heading down the beach for a picnic. Taking some brown pickle with us. Oh, why not? That sounds good. Well, um, have fun down the beach. Uh, look forward to speaking to you uh, in the not too distant future. On uh, maybe we'll talk into the middle of winter and see how you're going. Love to. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Cam. Oh, pleasure. Matthew Evans there on three triple RFM. We have got Florent coming on very soon, but uh, uh, some music, perhaps a little bit of uh, who is this again? This is Midnight Juggernaut. Midnight Juggernaut. I need Juggernaut. From, from a few years ago now. It is. Great yeah. song. Yeah. Um, hope your Easter Sunday is going well. We'll just uh, finish off with flows coming in very shortly. Happy Easter flow this year. Uh, we've uh, repurposed a gift three times now. Yes. Yeah, Happy, never, there you go. Happy I've, Easter. I've inherited some chocolate here. You have. It's a little bunny, but you had the best idea, of course, because French are always thinking about their foods, and you said... What should we do with this bunny? Pour some coffee in it. Pour coffee. Facebook is selling to us right now. <laughs> yeah, stick some coffee shots in your in your in your cream egg and, and bang, mm. there you go, and you get the best of both worlds: coffee mm. and caffeine, or I mean, uh, chocolate, chocolate and, and caffeine. caffeine together at last.
You're moving to Flinders Lane soon. I probably saw, yeah. Now we should actually, let's, uh, who is, who are we speaking to? Matt's just sent me the note going, for God's sake, <laughs> will you please radio, set up... Radio 101. We'll, we've we'll only get, been doing this show for two decades now. Who we'll on earth are we talking about? We'll get Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to Florent Geraldine, who is uh, originally from Brittany, uh, not Normandy, as some people stupidly think. Um, came over to, oh no, it's worked with uh, some of the the greats, the superstars of cooking, Jean Robuchon, uh, Alain Ducasse. Like Have you been to... practicing the Joël Robuchon? No, that, that's, that, that's, what, was that okay? Yeah, it was really good. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah. But and and then of course while in Australia you worked uh, with uh, Shannon, yep. Shannon Bennett. Mm-hmm. But then you cryptically looked at me and you went to a camera and you were four, not three. Who's there was a fourth? Oh, this. Oh, in, in all together, Robuchon, Ducasse. Um, and why are they? Why are they important? I did. I did, we... I did. I did do a year with Mark Best. That was. That was. That oh, was Mark very Best. I'll pay modern. Yeah. Right. Oh, of so course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Was, that was. Uh, I've, I've learned a great deal from. From him. Yeah, definitely. And why is because uh, maybe people have heard people go, yeah, Robuchon and Ducasse. But why are they important in the in the lexicon of in cooking in general? I think they, what they makes just, them so cool? I'm not sure. Ducasse, Ducasse is one of those that has been very clever from the very beginning on on knowing how to make the most out of the people that works uh, with him or for him. Yes. And is that in a good way or in a bad yeah, way? In a very good way. Oh, good. Very way, good okay. way. So very good at just promoting <laughs> up. And, and everyone that starts working for Ducasse will start as a commie. It doesn't matter what your CV says. You always start from the bottom. Really? And you've got You've got to fight your way up. Mm. So this is, a good this is coming go. through the trenches almost, yeah, you know, because yeah, we look much. at a, a brigade system, which is sort of an army system anyways. Well, when you've got 35 lads in the kitchen and you've got to claim the leather, it's like, <laughs> first. <laughs> you know, you've got the next couple of months to stick your head down and, <laughs> and show yourself. So, and Robuchon, why is, Robuchon is, a, is one of, um, is, is, I don't know, he's got, um, is it's very army like when you work for him so it's it's everything is precise you follow the recipes you don't you don't no deviation no no at all you you've got to follow the follow the the, the what what's yeah what's what. but let's face it that is where the french have been magnifique you know this is the thing that puts them on because um we um we think of um the great person not LaRousse. Where's my brain gone? Uh, the Escoffier. Is, thank you. Bang. Oh, thank, thank God you were here. Good thing because I had Escoffier one. was the one who first canonized food that, yeah. that actually put it into an order and yeah. ordered the way that food is. And it's yeah. like, it's there. And if you want to do entre Bernays, you go to recipe 1142. That's it, yeah. And I used to work with dudes that of used course, to be able yeah. to call out the recipe numbers, like and the page number. Sauce Robert, you know this guy. <laughs> page sixty-one. Sauce Robert, okay. chef, you need it. It's eleven thirty-seven, <laughs> and you go, what the? F-? You know, wow. You, but that's where the French have been great, and so, um, so Robuchon was very much a part of that about sticking yeah. no deviation. That's it, yeah. But yet. Here is someone who was very, in a really formal sense, stepped away from that and opened up a bar that he was able to make uh, three-star Michelin food really, really accessible to people without tablecloths. With interaction. With interaction. He was the first one to to send the chefs out, basically. And we're talking that was 10, 15 years ago when, when, when he opened that bar, everyone thought it was crazy. But then that's... That was, I think, the start of something big where, where, where chefs started slowly to, to, to be relevant, to be, to mm. be, people started being interested by the chefs that way. And also that chefs served you your food, mm-hmm. that if you sat at a bar 
And this is, we see this in places, in other places in Flinders Lane, say super normal, if you sit at the bar there, you'll get served by the the chefs. And has this sort of inspired you for your latest move and what you're going to be doing? What's the name of the restaurant going to be? So the place is going to be called Ote. Ote, How do you spell that? O-T-E-R. So it means removing the unnecessary in French. You got that, Matt? There you go. Bang, he's on that one. Uh, and the idea is very much that when, when when we took over Yuyu, that beautiful bar that was there. What was Yuyu? Yuyu was that Japanese place that no one knew about, but everyone has eaten there. You couldn't blog about it. You couldn't you couldn't do anything it, about it. It, it was it, dare I say it, this was Melbourne's most the greatest hidden gem. Yeah. In Melbourne. Yeah. You'd have, this little you, place, you'd have to find the door first. Yeah. You had to find the door. There was no sign. Yeah. You walked down. This space revealed itself to yeah. you because it was open and there was this beautiful bar around. That's it. And these crazy chairs with the with the blue velvet. You keeping, still, you're keeping still, those? They're still in there. You can have them if you want. <laughs> 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 no. Oh, they're, they're, they're comfy. and they're, oh, they and, they're, and they're a bit crazy. Yeah, they are. Um, so that was what you had. And you had this great Japanese experience um, sitting around, and it was one of the great places to get, let's face it, bombed on sake yeah. uh, <laughs> responsibly. So yeah. I'll just put that afterwards because I have to. Um, and great Japanese food, and you left with a great smile on your face. So how are you going to be doing things the same? How are you going to be doing things different? What have you inherited well, the, the space, the space is, the space is beautiful as it is. The bar, the bar is incredible and it made sense. It made complete sense to, to keep that kitchen open and to, and to keep that proximity with the, between the chef and the customers. Yeah. It was just, uh, it was, yeah, it was there. So we, we, we're trying to make the most of that. The, the kitchen is being built starting Tuesday. Yes. So most of the restaurant has been done. We've cracked open all the walls, cracked open all the windows. So there's loads of loads of light. So there'll be natural light coming yeah, in yeah, too. Yeah, 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 yeah. And you can you can really see everything from the street and just opening it up. And um, yeah, kitchen's going in on Tuesday. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a bit of an exclusive here. We Whoa, hang about Whoa, stop it. Whoa, stop hold stop the phone. Exclusive. Yeah. You're getting ready, man. Oh, yeah. is there a jingle for that? Yeah, yeah. We, we should we, be. There's not, but there's we totally so, should be. Yeah, man. Uh, sorry. Oh, hang about. That's it. That's the one. Bang! That was you the symbols. Get, you gotta get one of those drum pad things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'd go, I'd go the nothing. exclusive um, is. Well, I can, I can very, I can, I can confidently say that we should be open by the 11th of April. There you go. Just we are madly writing that down. That's the sound of us scribbling that right. down. April there 11th. it is. Yes. <laughs> 11th of April, ladies and gentlemen. Um, do we need millions of dollars to come and eat at your place? It's going to be very expensive. Very expensive, super expensive. Yeah. yeah. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, oh. I'm joking. Oh, it's Flinders Lane. You can't. You can't be. Yeah. You can't be too. Uh, too. Yeah. You can't. You can't. Well, bring I don't know. I mean, prices to high in Flinders Lane. If, if we look at Smith Street, as you know, seeing a, a very mm. expensive restaurant open, where we. But um, no, so the price. The price isn't. That's not going to be the the the, the issue. There, there's going to be loads of. I, I, I want to promote things like caviar and and, and truffles because they, they they are ingredients that are very it, dear to me. But are you going to do French onion soup? Because well, that's, there you that's, go. A, so that's a French thing, isn't there it? There you go. Let's have that conversation, shall yeah. we? Yeah. Right. So let's talk about we think about French food. Let's and speak about uh, the clichés. Oh, I love clichés. So, so since, since the 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 beginning of that project, we've um, you know when you start speaking to journalists and people around, there, every single one of them ask me whether I'm going to be doing onion soup, yeah, or bouillabaisse, or tartare, and all that. Now, yeah. this is this is representing what France got famous for. 30, 40, 50 years ago. Yes. I wasn't even born, was I? Yeah, come on. So there is a lot more to French food than just those staples that everyone knows and that, 
Yeah. We, so if we do it, we sort of we look at this. This is almost if we, we're in the middle of a religious holidays flow. Yeah. So we look at this. This could be the Old Testament we're looking at. Yeah, yeah, yeah very much so. It yeah. is. It's yeah. the old. It's the past. It's the it. you know. It's great. We've learned from it. Some good stories there. There is a lot of there is a lot of uh, a lot of elements from uh, from those days that are that are still in there mm. that are still very strong. Yeah. The techniques the yeah. techniques are are probably the most French things that we can that we can say. Uh, but at the end of the day, when the restaurant was being built, we had to put a stamp on it like as normal. So we had to put French more than French on it because. That's this what is I huge. am. Yeah. Uh, but it doesn't mean that I'm going to be serving stuff that I was eating when I was a kid. I'm going to get inspired from that. But the biggest inspiration, f- for sure, is the product. Yeah. It doesn't matter how we look at it. The technique is never going to be the first thing to look at. The product will always be that first thing to look at. Uh, because the product dictates what we put on the plate, no matter what. And, and anyone that doesn't agree with me, well, look, it is what it is. You get a gallic shrug. Uh, you missed that foxy sword. Except it was a half gallic shrug. It was yeah. just one shoulder. It wasn't both coming up together. But um, you're going to have uh, a, one of the things you are going to be doing. Uh, there's going to be oysters. Yeah, there, there will be oysters. I've got um, I've got a good uh, good sauce for it. Uh, signature oysters, Matt and uh, and um, Ewan Makash. Those guys are really good. And um, yeah, the, I mean the the product. So what other things are going to be there? Oysters. Uh, I love my wagyu. I love Blackmore. I love the whole family. They do a great product, um, and all the veg. I went to Oak Ridge on uh, on the week Tuesday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I went to Oak Ridge to visit uh, Matt Stone, and um, we're gonna get access to the garden, so I'll be able to pick fresh stuff on a, on a weekly basis. I'm looking for a few more gardens like this. Really? Um, so, so yeah. So Maddie, um, of course, uh, at Oak Ridge uh, Yarra Valley, they've um, spent a lot of time and effort in creating some pretty. Big garden. So the, oh, it's the got idea a beautiful is place there. You're going to be getting great, um, great produce. That's it. That's that's what. Uh, to tell you the truth, I don't even have a menu yet. Yeah. Because right. I, uh, s- until I step in the kitchen with the equipment, with the staff, and I start receiving the first product, that's um, that's when I'm going to start getting creative. For now, it's pointless because everything will change from the time the first product comes in. Well, the great thing is that you you've told us that you're going to be opening on or about the 11th. Mm-hmm. You know, don't don't hang him if he doesn't open on the 11th. But around that Please. time, yeah, come on, just be nice. Um, and I guess the, the call to action for Melburnians is for you if you haven't been to you before in Flinders Lane. Um, it's a great opportunity to discover this this sort of this little. This hidden place. You can have a sign on the front because that was one thing about you. Never, never we're had still, any. We're sign. still debating that. In a way, I we're don't think debating. it should. I don't know. We're still debating. Oh, okay. Well, anyway, we 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 look forward to yeah. hearing now. But and we've only we've got a minute left. This time uh, of your life, when you were a little child, the young Flo running around uh, the place in in Brittany. How did you? What was Easter Sunday about for you at um, home in my France? Da- my dad used to do waffles for us. Waffles, yeah. really? Waffles was the thing. Yeah. Did he have a waffle maker? Was it an electric waffle maker, or was it one you stuck on? No, nah, no, nah, the electric one. The electric, electric one. Yeah. one. Yeah. The one pa- that you can change the griddle and make painted red. It. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I know yeah, those. Yeah. Oh, I wish I've always wanted to have one of those. Um, and what did you have on your waffles? Nutella. Nutella. All the way. Wow. Same with pancakes. Same anything. Nutella. Wow. I'm addicted to the stuff. Yeah, I know. It's um, it's a, a, a thing with a, a dichotomy. That's a dichotomy in itself, isn't it? Yeah, it is. This hazelnut spread that is yeah. mainly p- 
palm oil. And it's very, it's, yeah, it's, everything is wrong about it. But it's so wrong, but it's yeah. so right. Yeah. Flo, good luck with the opening. We Thank look forward much. to seeing you there. Thank you for coming in and joining Thanks us for, for uh, It's a bloody pleasure. Matt. Cameron. Been a pleasure. We're going to go off and... We're going to have lunch. We're going to have Easter Feaster. And I've got a really old um, Oak Ridge Pinot to drink with that, and I'm looking forward to that. Yes. Hope you enjoy um, the rest of your Easter Sunday. Thanks for joining us. It's been a nice thing. And we're going to um, have that Easter egg. I'm going to pour some coffee into it. Who's coming up next? Who's coming up next with Word Nerds and Sunday lunch? It's all good. Yeah, it is all good. Word Nerds, I think it's their last show, so enjoy it. Pay attention. We've been enjoying it. Hope you do too. Lots more to come. We're going to get out of here. Thanks for joining us on Easter. It's been great. See you later. You've been listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. For more podcasts, information about upcoming events and our live stream, please visit our website at rrr.org.au.